Hello and welcome back to A Reason for Hope. I'm your host, Mario Costabile, and I am so glad that you're here with us today. A Ray of Hope has been busy sharing the faith through film, music, and events. And I love doing these podcasts because it really gives us an opportunity to tackle some deeper topics and subjects about our faith and our church. Today's podcast episode is titled, We Are Broken and Beautiful. Now, it's interesting to say that we are broken and yet we are beautiful. This, of course, is through the eyes of God. God knows our struggles, our deficiencies, our brokenness, and our need of healing. And he loves us nevertheless. He has come to heal us and offer us peace. Many of us reject this. I know lots of people that suffer through many pains and difficulties through life and will not let God help them, will not let God in. This episode will reveal the broken in all of us, but also point us to the beauty that God wants to show us. The beauty that is in all of us as creatures of God, made in His image and likeness. Our guests today are Jake and Heather Kim. It's rare that we have married couples together on a podcast, so this is going to be fun and exciting. So welcome to A Reason for Hope, and here we go. So Dave, here we are once again recording our podcast. How are you? I'm pretty good, my brother. How are you doing yeah, today? I'm I'm good. We're we're all good. And every anything new? Not much, honestly. Just uh, you know, the year is coming to an end at school. And that's always a good feeling. Mm. Uh, I teach seniors, so they're getting pretty antsy right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not much you could do with them the last few weeks. <laughs> uh, that's good. I mean, I remember when I was uh, in school, I couldn't wait till spring and summer, and you know. But that's part of being a student, right? That's right. So yeah. it's it's a good time. So uh, our episode today is actually called "Broken and Beautiful," and we're going to be talking to uh, Jake and Heather Kim about their work and helping people deal with their own experiences about brokenness and restoration mm-hmm. in Christ. And they are they're beautiful couple. I mean, they're a married couple. They they really uh, are very vulnerable. They share their own personal experiences about being broken and and seeking healing. And um, I wanted to ask you uh, about our title, you know, Broken and Beautiful. Uh, How do we understand this fact in our humanity as we experience it in our own lives? First, I want to look at the good news, right? So there's Mm. the good news is that we're created unique and unrepeatable by God. We were chosen by Him from all eternity. He's been thinking of us from all eternity. We're created in his image and likeness. Um, And since God is beauty, we are inherently beautiful. Since God is goodness itself, we're inherently good. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that's really important to start with. Um, We have a spiritual soul that Archbishop Fulton Sheen said is worth more than the entire universe. Yeah. So that's an important thing for us to keep in mind that Mm -hmm. we have— an inestimable value. Mm-hmm. And and in in addition, God sent his own son to save us. If we weren't worth something, he certainly wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have bothered. Right? Yeah. And so I think that this is an important starting point because we need to know that there is this incredible beauty in us. Um, and that that we're we're valuable beyond compare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
but there's also some bad news, you know, and and that's the fact that we are sinners, and and sin is anything but beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right? Our sin is ugly, you know, the the very fact of it, and uh, and due to the fall of our first parents, Adam and Eve, that beautiful image and likeness of God that we were created to be, well, we lost the likeness to God. Um, so our entire person, therefore, is like in disorder and disarray, and we can we can sense this. We've talked about this before on the podcast that that we have this this inner battle that we profoundly experience. That our intellect is at war with our will. That even if we know the right thing, the good thing, we're weak. We don't want to do it. And then even if we do want to do it, it seems like our bodies are in control mm-hmm. and. Uh, those desires just, you know, sometimes can overwhelm us. And then we we choose to do things that are beneath our dignity. Mm. You know, we look lustfully at others, we turn them into objects, and then we deal with the shame of that. Mm. Um, and so it's easy to recognize that we're broken, that we're out of order, whether that's the fact that we're just wounded by original sin, that we've been wounded by our own choices, or maybe even been wounded by the selfishness and sin of other people. So how do we balance that out, practically speaking? I mean, there are two very kind of different entities. How do we balance that? Well, I think the first thing that we need to do is just admit that, you know, we're a ball of contradictions. I mean, that's what we are. Um, Even in our greatest moments, in our greatest attempts at goodness, there seems to be sometimes ulterior motives at work and selfishness in there. Um, So we should bring that all to Jesus, who's the only one who can heal our brokenness. Um, I also think that we need to foster like the virtue of hope because um, I think it's easy to fall into despair. When we focus too much on our brokenness, we can very easily get discouraged. Um, it's interesting, if we think that we're not broken and we think that we're all that and we're fine with God, then then we sin and don't worry about it because we think we're okay with God. If we despair and get discouraged, then we sin because we figure, why bother? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it's interesting how both presumption and despair bring about the same result, and that is ultimately disobedience. But we need to we need to hope in God that He's faithful. We need to trust in him and his word that first that went, that he's going to provide aid for us, that we can call out to him mm-hmm. um, to help us, that that he's faithful. And if we're working as hard as we can and we're praying, you know, for his grace, that that that's everything's going to be OK. And that when the time is is ripe for him to heal certain aspects of our brokenness that we really desire to be healed, then it'll happen in God's time. I also think, though, that it's important to leverage like both aspects of this, like our our brokenness and our beauty. Mm-hmm. A great book by Dr. Ralph Martin, uh, "Fulfillment of All Desire," yes. which uh, you you've read yourself, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. we've had doc, Dr. Ralph Martin on our show. Mm-hmm. He uh, he recalls how the devil would try to get at Saint Catherine of Siena. When he tries to make St. Catherine very much aware of her own sin and her own inadequacy 
and even convince her that all the good things that she's doing are really in vain glory and uh, not for God, but for her. What St. Catherine did was hide herself in the wounds of Jesus Mm. and just say, I know you love me, Lord, and that you are merciful. And then the devil took the opposite tactic with her and tried to make her feel very prideful about all the great things she did and how how she'd achieved such heights of holiness. And then when, when he did tempt her in that way, she remembers that she's a miserable sinner. Even recalling that, you know, John the Baptist was freed from original sin in the womb, and yet he lived a life of great penance, and yet she's done hardly anything. Mm-hmm. You see, so, so she did the opposite. She remembered the opposite of what the temptation was. And I think that's how we can leverage our brokenness and our beauty. When we're feeling really in despair, we should remember that God created us and loves us, that we're unique and unrepeatable, that he chose us to exist and he died for us. When we're feeling a little too prideful and a little too confident of where we stand before the Lord, then we should remember that we're sinners and we're broken and we're capable of really nothing good without him. Yeah. That's that's beautiful. That's great. I love when you said, you know, the it the hope is in Jesus, and uh, to know that there's hope, you know, to understand that that in Christ there's always that healing of the brokenness that we all experience as humans, you know. Yeah, and He turned brokenness into beauty. Beauty, right? Hence, broken Again, and beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks, Dave. All right, great session. God bless. All right, you too. Hey guys, it's Mariama here with Who's That Saint, where I give you three clues on one saint for you to guess before the big reveal. Who's that saint? Clue one. Born on January 2nd, 1873, this saint was born to a devout Catholic family in France. The youngest child, they experienced much grief early in their life after losing their mother at the age of four. This caused great suffering for the saint, who otherwise had a joyful childhood. Who's that saint? Clue two. As the youngest, this saint watched their older sisters leave home one by one. Amazingly, however, each of these sisters entered into religious life. This saint herself felt a deep call to devote herself to the service of God as a missionary and religious at a young age, nine years old after watching her sisters do the same. Who's that saint? Clue three. Following this overwhelming sense that God was calling them into the Carmelite order, this saint boldly appealed to the Pope of the time to make an exemption so that they could enter into the order at only 15 years old. Though not immediately granted, this saint was able to enter a year later at the age of 16. There they lived out the rest of their short earthly life, where they died at 24 from tuberculosis. Who's that saint? Let me know. That's right. If you guess St. Therese of Lisieux, then you are correct. She is also known as St. Therese of the Child Jesus or the Little Flower. St. Therese never actually got to travel in faraway missions, but she has become a great missionary saint in her own way with the widespread reading of her autobiography, Story of a Soul, which shares with us her wisdom through suffering and her little way of holiness. 
Today, let us ask St. Therese of Lisieux for the strength and courage to become the saints that God has made us to be and to bear our crosses with great trust that God will supply all that we need, using our suffering for His and our benefit. St. Therese of Lisieux, pray for us. Hey everyone, this is Jack Garno, a Ray of Hope's Director of Music and Audio Production, coming back at you with another Music Corner. So I'll keep it brief because there's a lot I want to share with you on this episode. So far this season, I've shared with you a bunch of our new music in its early production stages. We've also talked about the significance of the song's meanings and how they apply to our beautiful Catholic faith. At the time of this episode's release, many of these songs have been mixed and mastered by a pair of renowned industry professionals out of Nashville, Tennessee in Austin, Texas. And I'd like to share with you a quick reel of six songs that are on deck for release. If you've listened to every podcast this season, you'll definitely recognize these tunes, but they may sound a bit different to you. And in my opinion, they'll probably sound better since other ears have worked on them. So get excited because our next music release is just around the corner and it's going to be a big one. some exciting news. We have a whole new Array of Hope app and channel, a video destination where everyone can find meaningful and inspiring videos and resources to help bring them closer to God. This is available on your desktop, Roku, Apple TV, iPhones, and Android mobile phones and tablets. This channel has movies, short, faith-filled segments, live events, and programs. You've got to check it out. Sign up by going to watch.arrayofhope.net and then download the app at the App Store by just typing in Array of Hope. Jake and Heather Kim are the founders of Life Restoration and have been involved in serving the church on various levels. Jake has a master's degree in counseling philosophy and a bachelor of arts in theology. Jake has worked in various settings for over 20 years, including adult faith formation, seminarian and priestly formation, diocesan evangelization, catechesis, RCIA, 
retreat ministry, and he ran his own private counseling practice for over 10 years. Jake teaches at the Seminary of Christ the King, offering human and pastoral formation to seminarians in the Archdiocese of Vancouver. Heather is an established speaker and worship leader with over 25 years of experience. She has attended Franciscan University of Steubenville, where she has studied theology and catechesis and where she met Jake. Currently, Heather speaks on a wide variety of topics, leads conferences, retreats, women's ministry, and has a podcast called Abiding Together. They live in British Columbia with their three children. Let's welcome Jake and Heather Kim. Heather and Jake, welcome. Uh, welcome to so uh, a ray of hope and, and, and what we're doing. And we're so happy to have you on board. And how are you guys doing over there in Canada? We're doing awesome. Um, it's be- we absolutely love where we live. We're just outside of Vancouver, British Columbia. We say it's the best place on earth, but I'm sure there's some people who will argue with us, but uh, <laughs> we just now, love it. We're doing well. Well, you, are you guys from there? I am. Jake's from Alabama, Tennessee, down south. So. The second best place. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty nice down south. I've been down there frequently. Uh, I love the south, uh, but Canada's a big change, right? It's a big difference. Yeah, this is where I'm from. So my family's here. This is where I grew up. And Jake and I met at Franciscan University oh. and then ended ended up back here. So wow. yeah, it's That's good great. to be here. We have three kids and yeah, one of them is at Franciscan University now, so we're just in that stage of kind of letting them letting them go a little bit here. That's great. That's beautiful. Um, well, you know, before uh, we actually get into the meat of things, uh, I like to just get to know you a little bit better, get your backgrounds. Tell me a little bit about when you guys were kids. Uh, maybe we'll start with you, Jake. Were you raised in a in a Catholic family or a cra- cradle Catholic? You know, tell me a little bit about your background. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yes, raised in a, a Catholic family, um, baptized as a kid. Um, and then I, I, it wasn't, um, I did, my family was, we went to church on Sunday, but I can't say that it was something that we made a lot of sense of after the fact. Um, but yeah, very devout. And um, I was really into sports and athletics. And so I mm. uh, loved playing sports and doing that kind of thing, but, um, have two older brothers. So I was the runt of my family, <laughs> which was, uh, which was a very, very good in some ways and hard in other ways. Did but, you get, uh, get beat yeah. up upon a lot. It, my mom and dad wouldn't let us let my brothers <laughs> beat me up, but when, whenever we played in sports, the, their, their strength and size was definitely felt. So, yeah. <laughs> How about yourself, Heather? What's your background? Yeah. So I grew up Catholic. My family's Catholic. You know, it was typical go to church on Sunday. And my mom was actually very involved in a prayer group and had a a really wonderful community. Um, But, you know, it didn't really mean a lot to me until I was probably just like uh, in the ninth grade in high school. And I went to a retreat and just had this profound encounter with God, which radically changed the course of my life. So, yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in a very typical home. And at the same time, uh, God has revealed himself in many, many powerful ways. It's amazing. It sounded like, you know, you had a, a transformative moment where you were introduced to God and, and, and met God, and essentially. How about yourself, Jake? Yeah, um, it, it's really interesting in, in my walk with God because um, God intervened in my life when I was very young. But at the time, I, I didn't know that it was him. Um I had really profound experiences of God as a little boy, like grade three. I can remember praying in my bed and singing the Our Father, and that's a whole other story. But 
and just actually being brought to tears as I would pray. But I, I didn't totally understand what was going on. Um, and so what I like to say is that God knew me very intimately the whole time. It was more a matter of me coming to know him. And um, I would say that that really started uh, in grade 12 and then in university where I started to actually have a real encounter with God where God became personal and real. And my journey of faith kind of, the heart was there all the way along, but really what pushed me over the edge was uh, the intellect, the head. I I mm. learned a lot about God before it became personal, uh, where I knew I was doing a relationship uh, with him. And mm. so um, Franciscan University, where we met, uh, that was a big, I went there to study theology because I just wanted to learn more and I thought it was awesome. And it was there that really the head and the heart really started to come together for me. Um, and so personal relationship with the Lord is the the most important thing. Um, I say that, you know, a lot of people like talk about relationship with Jesus and they say things, you know, like, oh, uh, you know, it, it sounds like a cliche or whatever, but I sincerely believe that Jesus uh, was the most brilliant person who ever lived. And uh, he is the most worthy person of following. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's all, everybody offers a life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can do it this way, life, that way, life. Everybody offers one. I think he's got the best thing going. Well, Jake, you're a psychologist, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, it depends on how you define the word. I have a master's degree in counseling psychology. So in some places, that's psychologist. In some places, that's a clinical counselor. Okay. Uh, Where have you found today that most people are struggling? Where's most of the brokenness residing in our culture today? Yeah, uh, that's a really deep question for me to answer just because I'm with people every day. And so to synthesize it, I think I can synthesize it in another way and saying that there are two primary ways that I experience that people are hurt. Um, and one is when they don't get what they need. And the other way is when they get something they never should have had. And Mm. so the first one is more like, uh, you know, people call it the sin of omission where I left something out. Right. Um, I think a lot of people are wounded in that area where let's say, um, mom and dad divorced and dad left the home. Mm and they didn't have the presence of a father, that, that can be very impactful, but that would be the absence of something that was really needed, which is the presence of the father. And then a lot of people, you know, they understand and are aware of the other kind of wounding that we experience, like abuse, where that's something that never right. should have happened, but it did. Um, both types are really important and uh, really affect people. But if I had to like name two things, um, I would actually say that fear and shame are the two biggest things that I see almost every single person I work with. And it doesn't manifest the same, but when you get to the heart of the matter, fear and shame are some of the most powerful things on the face of the planet. And uh, Genesis actually talks about, you know, when when sin came into the world, that uh, Adam's response, his first words out of his mouth after God approached him were, you know, when God said, where are you? And I'm hiding. So he was afraid Mm -hmm. because he was naked. And so he hid. And Mm -hmm. so that's the manifestation of fear and shame or fear and hiding. Um, I see that everywhere with people. It just manifests differently above the surface. So, And how do you find, uh, what ways are you finding to help people with those uh, areas? Yeah. the I mean, one of the key ways that I find is that um, there's a, quote that I really like that says, um, 
to care for something, you actually have to understand it. And so when you're caring for a human being, you actually have to understand what it means to be human. And one of the very most core realities and principles of what it means to be human is relationship. And so uh, the therapeutic psychological world has found this for a long time, that, that the most predictable and effective thing that elicits change is the relationship that occurs in psychotherapy. Mm. And so that's not surprising. We're made in the image of a triune God and the centerpiece of the universe is a relationship. And so it's not surprising that relationship heals. Um, Dr. Bob Schutz and I have a podcast and, and we like to say on there that love is actually what heals. Now, you bring the word love into psychotherapy and everybody kind of going, whoa, that's not, you know, hey, let's not talk about that. But that's exactly what heals people because that's exactly what we're made for. Now, right, we can get right. more specific and talk about things like emotions, working with emotions, working with thoughts, mm-hmm. a lot of times working with memories or experiences of things that we've uh, suffered. So kind of all that together is really what I, what I do with people. Awesome. Uh, and Heather, uh, you're you're well known for your podcast, which is awesome, uh, Abiding Together podcast. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that and uh, the mission of that podcast and, and let people know about what you do there. Yeah, so it, um, I do that along with two of my best friends, Michelle Bensinger and Sister Miriam James That's Highland. Right. That's right. Yeah, <clears throat> we started about five years ago. A friend just came along and asked us if we wanted to do a podcast and our answer was, what? You know, we just hadn't ever thought about it before. And he really encouraged us uh, because we already had a relationship. We were journeying together and we were having these deep conversations that were very fruitful for all of us. It was like we were just taking turns sitting at each other's feet, learning and listening and accompanying one another through the normal journey of life. And so we just started having conversations about that and inviting people into it. So abiding together is really, <clears throat> we say it's a place of connection and rest for people on the journey towards Jesus. And and that's what we hope to provide there. So we have conversations about our faith and real dynamics in our own hearts. We're vulnerable um, because we're in the middle of the journey too, and God is teaching us things. And so uh, from that has been born this amazing connection with people who are listening to our podcast. And it's actually so unexpected and beautiful, excuse me, how deep that connection actually is. You know, many people say, I feel like you're my friends. Like we're just, you're in my living room talking, you know, with me. And, and it's a privilege really to journey with people that way. So we talk about different aspects of the faith. We're encouraging people, you know, to be seeking holiness, to be growing in relationship with God and abiding together really comes from that scripture, John 15, you know, where Jesus is saying, I'm the vine and you are the branches Mm. abide in me just remain in me. So, so, so the goal is intimacy with everything that we talk about. The goal is really intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's been a beautiful journey with everybody so far. In five years. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It, it actually is amazing. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's great and it's growing. Uh, you know, it's really amazing. It is. Um, yeah, so it is. Uh, our podcast today is called We Are Broken and Beautiful. And uh, why is this? Uh, it almost seems like a contradiction in it in itself there it's so important for people to understand and own right so what have been the ways each of you personally and as a couple have come to know and accept and lean on this do you want to start yeah i think for both of us um and i'll just speak more for myself but but mm-hmm. i know for both of us we we've experienced jesus in such a profound and real way 
that that is where those two things come together. That on the cross, we see the brokenness of Christ, but he has flipped the whole thing upside down from being, you know, this sign of shame and horror, you know, that that crucifixion was into being the most beautiful sign of love that the world has ever and will ever know. And, And to experience that in very personal ways in our own life, that God, uh, because he rose from the dead, and <laughs> we are, you know, uh, an Easter people, and we believe that with all our hearts that that we can experience that too on this side of heaven. And so, I think for Jake and I both, there's been places in our individual lives and also in our marriage where we have had to come before God in in our brokenness and in our weakness and poverty, feeling very little and vulnerable to say. Are you really who you say you are, God? Are you really the healer, the restorer, the miracle worker, the one who can take the most broken things and turn it into something beautiful? And and we've experienced a resounding yes <laughs> from God that yes, He is, mm. and we're seeing the fruit of that in our lives as we continue to seek, you know, healing mm. and wholeness ourselves. Mm. Yeah, I I think for me. Um, one of the things I just came across the other day, which really resonated with me, was everybody's drawn to truth, beauty, or goodness, or all all of them put together. And um, the interesting thing about them is that you know those are uh, attributes of God. He is true. He is good. He is beautiful. And you, we're drawn in by this, but real truth and real beauty and real goodness actually eventually starts to have a demand, mm. and the demand is that we become true, good, and beautiful. And that's where the rub starts. To, that's where things start to get interesting because it's it easy when you're just <laughs> admiring it and going, oh, that's yeah. great. Isn't that nice? But it, when that relationship starts with God mm-hmm. and we're drawn in by his truth, beauty and goodness, then all of a sudden there's a, a an ask, a request, a hope that you or me would become true, good and beautiful. That's hard. That's where mm-hmm. we start to bump into our brokenness. And what's beautiful about that is that God is a God who isn't put off by our brokenness. Um, I think uh, a parable that for me has always been really helpful is the raising of Lazarus. And, you know, his brokenness is represented by his death. Now, all of us have death within us. Like my story is one of having um, sexual addiction and having it be severely impacting my life and our marriage. That, That was a a very strong representation of death, like a lot of parts mm. of me that were not thriving and it significantly impacted us. And with the parable of Lazarus, right? The, he says, roll away the tomb. And they say, you don't realize how bad this is going to smell. And I think all of us know that feeling of if you actually see what's behind here, it's too much. It's too bad. You don't understand. Like you can't handle this. This is too much. Mm. And that parable, Jesus says so clearly, roll it away. And and he's not afraid of the stench. He's not bothered by the brokenness. And when that interaction occurs, and when you've experienced that, it is the most beautiful thing to be loved in our poverty and in our weakness. And I think that's where a lot of people go, that's not possible, that's impossible. And then we stay behind the the stones of our hearts because we don't trust that God can actually love us there. But that's what's incredible is God presses into what we believe most awful because he can transform it. And so brokenness becomes actually really beautiful. Jesus's wounds actually become a sign of glory. So the brokenness Mm. becomes the beauty. That's beautiful. Um, 
That's awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, um, uh, being that you're a married couple, it, you know, I think, uh, I think the way people view marriage today, I think marriage is broken too. Uh, a lot of people, mm. uh, a lot of marriages are suffering. Um, a lot of Catholic marriages are suffering. And I think, um, what people have forgotten, especially a sacramental marriage, is that, you know, uh, they have forgotten the power of grace that God has given every sacramental marriage to invoke God within that marriage. It's a marriage of three, right? And, and maybe you can talk about that and how God, um, I mean, I have so many colleagues and people that have been separated that, you know, uh, you try to explain to them, you know, bring God into your marriage and it, you'll see <clears throat> miracles happen. I know it happened for me, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, as a psychologist and as a, a married couple that are, we're all broken. You, you've had your own history of brokenness. Maybe you can talk to that and, and, and give couples some hope that, you know, you know, with God, all things are possible and your marriage can, can survive anything, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I remember going to work one day and going to my boss, I was working at a church and um, I walked in and talked to my boss, a very devout uh, Catholic man. And I said to him, um, I need you to tell me about uh, annulments. I think my marriage is over. And that was our story. And mm. I, we were at rock bottom and I was convinced that there was no hope for us. And it was through him and a couple other friends who really came into our lives and, you know, did several things. But one of them that they did is they, they offered to us a promise that if we were willing to bring Jesus into our lives on his terms, not on our terms, let go of our terms and really invite him in. Would you give him a chance and see what he can do? And when you're at that desperate place, you'll do anything. You'll take anything. And I was so grateful for them because what they invited us into was a process of transformation. Now, here's where I think, you know, the, the difficulty arises. G.K. Chesterton has this phrase that Christianity hasn't been tried and found lacking. It's been found difficult and left mm. untried. <laughs> Jesus isn't. Like he's not afraid of our lack of integrity. And so when he presses in on that, we often don't like it and it's uncomfortable and we're used to pleasure. Mm. And so we just go, uh, no, I think I'll choose another path. But if we're willing to do life on Jesus's terms, like we sit here as a testimony of what can happen when you actually invite Jesus in. And it's not some simple thing like where you just sit there and go, Jesus, take it all away. That's not been our experience. And now some people do have that experience. Um, but here, here's another point, and Heather, maybe you can share, is that um, everybody has poverty. No one gets away from it. And I don't mean financial poverty. Some people will have financial poverty, but everyone will have a form of poverty. And the reason for that is because it reminds us of our dependency on God. And when we try to get rid of our spiritual poverty, it, all that it does is backfire and I think that's where a lot of people struggles because they experience the poverty in their marriage. And then they go, I don't know how to do this. This isn't good. You're not being the saving thing that I thought would make me better. And so I'm out of here. I'm moving on. But they were never supposed to be the person that made us ultimately happy anyway. Right. So right. there's this poverty that we walk in life with. And if we can face it and turn that over to Jesus and truly follow him, I know that sounds simplistic, but there's real ways to do it. Mm -hmm. like, our lives have been radically transformed because of that. What would you say, mm -hmm. huh? 
Yeah. And I think just on a really practical level, you know, it, we are supposed to do that in community. Many of us try to do it alone. Like I know mm-hmm. for so long, I'm like a very self-reliant person and I'm, I'm in the process of, you know, God really healing that in my life. But I thought I can, I can do a lot of things, you know, like I'm strong, I'm capable, I have education. I have a lot of things that have been given to me in my life that can help me, you know, figure things out. But all of us come to a place where, that will end, you know, you will come to the end of knowing what to do and how to do it. And then what's left, you know, what's left is either we bail, we we just take off, we're out of here. Or we press in and go, God, are you really who you say that you are? Mm-hmm. And that's where the rubber meets the road of faith, you know? And so uh, we, we needed to journey with counselors. We needed mentors, spiritual directors. We needed a team of people <laughs> yeah. to support our marriage, but friends also, friends who could share in the journey because we're not meant to do this alone. And God comes to heal us in a variety of ways. But again, to do those things, you need to have a posture of littleness, like to be, to say, I, I don't have it all together. And that's okay, because the reality is none of us do. None of us do. Um, But God can come in and meet us there in very real and tangible ways. And he's not just a miracle working God 2000 years ago when we read in the Bible, but he is right now. He is Mm -hmm. working miracles. You know, my dad had stage four cancer when I was Mm in um, a senior in high school. And one night he was just praying and reading his Bible and God just, I mean, the spirit of God filled his whole body and he was radically healed. Like the next day he had no cancer tumors in his body and he was the day before on death's door. Like truly God is a miracle working God. And Jake and I have experienced that um, in our marriage as he talked about his, you know, sexual addiction. It, It was a long road, but essentially I feel like God said, Heather, do you want what you had before? And I said, no, I mean, no, I don't because it wasn't real and it was broken. And he said, the only way to new life is through the cross. Mm. And will you follow me there? Will you follow me? Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, so I'm sorry, this has got really personal, but when you guys, because no, this, really, this is really good. I mean, when you guys were rock bottom in your marriage, was one um, more connected to God than the other? And uh, what about in cases where someone is spiritual and someone is void of God, Although they're Catholic and they're, it's a sacramental marriage, they just don't believe in the power of that. So, you know, how do you how do you counsel? How do you advise a couple that you know half of it is has the desire to get God involved in the marriage and the other half doesn't? Yeah, I, I just want to um, bless those people. That is very hard. Um, we we do feel very blessed that both of us really uh we cared more about god than we did each other from day one and we grew in that and so the 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 people that don't have that mutual faith like um i just want to say oh i i feel for you um we've known people where one person has been of faith and the other one hasn't. And what's really hard is that usually the people that aren't of faith don't feel the same uh, weight of responsibility of faithfulness as the one Mm. who does. That's just stereotypical. It just usually happens where um, the presence of God makes our promises mean something, right? Mm, The 
promising God takes it to a different level than, mm-hmm. oh, I don't like you anymore. And so one of the ways that I would counsel, it depends on who it is. If it's the person who has faith, that'd be very different than the person who doesn't have faith. And I've worked with both. And the person who doesn't have faith when I've walked with them is the first and foremost thing is I've tried to actually have a rapport for them or with them and actually care about them. Because if you're just going to offer somebody advice and you don't actually care, very few people will be open to it. Like people can see through the BS. And so if you don't actually care about them, they're probably not going to hear you. So I've actually tried to befriend people and really care about their lives. Um, And it's not common that people just want things to break down. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist or Catholic or not. That's just human nature, I would say, is that people don't like deep relationships falling apart. Most people can see that divorce has negative consequences. And so real relationship is primary. And then the other thing I try to help people understand is what are you actually longing for? What are you at, What is the deepest desire of your heart? Like, what are you looking for? And most people, if they're honest, will come back to I want to be happy and I want I want to be whole. And then if you start to break down the various what uh, Father Robert Spitzer does this really well, he talks about the four levels of happiness. A lot of people, when marriages are breaking down, are living on the lower two levels, which would be pleasure or what's called a comparative level, where it's like, mm. well, my job's more important than your job and you're taking away pleasure and you're taking away my career. This mm. is stupid. This is useless. Instead of actually realizing and testing and trying that higher levels of happiness, which is care for other and pursuing transcendence, those are the third and fourth, Mm. that those actually bring about happiness. So it would be an invitation to, would you be willing to give it a shot that maybe you'll be happy pursuing another way of life? Would Would you consider it not as a shoving Jesus down their throat, but as an invitation to happiness? Um, Again, I just want to emphasize it's not easy. And I really sympathize with both people. Both people are really suffering. And that's why, you know, in therapy, that's part of what we do with people. But the community is really important as well to to engage in a company and love to the degree that it's helpful. What would you say? Yeah, I I, I completely agree with you. And I, I can't help but think, you know, <laughs> it, it's often similar with two people, quote unquote, of faith, where you might have people who are showing up in the in the pew on Sunday but they don't necessarily, uh, they're not necessarily following Jesus just because they're showing up on Sunday. I think for all of us, we have places where we're very far from God and, uh, and mm-hmm. those places need to be addressed. There's usually a reason why, you know, and it's not always just because I don't feel like it. You know, <laughs> there's, there's usually something under there, whether it's our shame, our unworthiness, you know, our fear, whatever it might be. So that's where we need people to help us to see things sure. that we can't see, what's actually going on under the surface so that we can come into the fullness of life. And that's what Jesus is really offering to us is like, I didn't come here that you would have a mediocre life or a mediocre marriage. I came here that you would have life to the full. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's engages right. every heart, no matter who you are. Yes. Absolutely. One last thought. I think uh, I would. it's just an encouragement to all the priests out there because in my experience, that that let's take that couple that you know hypothetically we're talking about, or one. It doesn't have to be the. It could be the the husband or the wife. Either one is not a faith. In my experience, the first people that they come to for help are usually a priest. Even the one who's not of faith. That's my experience. Is that I'm often getting referrals from priests as opposed directly from the person. And so sometimes those couples, like the spouse who. Um, isn't a faith. Sometimes they tag along to church, you know, they, they, they go with them just out of respect or whatever. And so 
I would really encourage the priests to be engaging in these people's lives. It's amazing yeah. how helpful they can actually be. And as a therapist, I rely heavily on the community to support the couple and, and priests are essential there. So a lot of times priests will go, I don't know what to do. Like, can you fix them? And, and I say, do what you signed up for, which is to be a father <laughs> to anyone. Amen. And I, I'll help over here with some of the stuff that's really complex, but yeah. you do what you're called to do and right. it's essential and important. So I'm so glad you said that because I um I had a couple friend of mine that that are suffering and they went to two priests and um, I, I'm, I'm saddened to say that the priests failed them because they thought they had to be marriage counselors and that's not what they're called to do. You know, no. they're, they're supposed to share that, you know, God is real and God is their savior. And, you know, so yeah. I'm so glad you said that, Jake, really. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I wanted to ask you one last question. So I know that you guys have an apostolate. Um, it's called Life Restoration Ministries. Is that together or t- tell me a little bit about that? Okay. Yeah, it's uh, we started this back in 2006, and and really what it is is it's how we minister to the people of God. It's a it's kind of the the umbrella that we do all of our stuff uh, from and under. And so, really, what we're about is um, awakening and restoring disciples to Jesus, to their authentic self, and kingdom living. And that that's our tagline. That's why I say it so freely. Um, but all those words are really meaningful. So what we're really, we we're about evangelization formation and helping people vision ministries, et cetera, and vision. And so, um, we believe that there's so much more that we're called to and people often are desperate for it, but they don't actually know how to get it or where to go and find it. And so Mm. what we want to do is help people wake them up. I mean, it's very similar to what you're all about is like, awakening hearts, you know, awakening people to the truth of what's there, the truth of who God is and the truth of who they are and what it's like to live in the kingdom of God. And the formation piece is really important too, because many of us haven't been properly formed, whether it's been, I mean, sometimes it's through no fault of anyone, but we just haven't had the proper formation, even as human beings, there's things that are missing in our life that maybe we didn't get or, or things we've got that we shouldn't have got, like Jake was saying at the beginning. And so, um, the formation piece is really important, and that's something that we find over and over and over again is that so many people, no matter what their age, are looking for someone to help them yeah. live life well. They don't know how to do it. They're hitting stumbling blocks, and so that's just stuff that we like to dive into with people as we accompany them. Yeah, yeah One of the things that somebody said about us is they said, you guys are like shepherds for <clears throat> men and women, and that really resonated with us, and we, we like the word shepherd because – I know what it's like to be a, a sheep who loses its its way, and um, and there's I've been really blessed by people who could help me find the way again, help me walk a path of life. And um, very simply put, that's what we are: is we we want to shepherd people back to who they were designed to be and to the fulfillment of their heart, which is a relationship with God. That's awesome. That's great. Well, I live. I wish you guys lived closer. I'd, uh, you know, I'd like to go out with you guys. Would bring my wife, introduce you to you know, her <laughs> to you great, guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's great. it's really great to you know the support of couples. You know, trying trying to live a faithful life uh, and be devout and be committed to one another is hard today in our culture. So, um, mm-hmm. thank you for uh, you know uh, sharing your time with me. Uh, you know, God bless you and your marriage and your ministry and all your work too and everything that you do. Yeah. 
Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, just just one small note. If people are wanting to hear more, Jake has two podcasts, Restore the Glory Please, yeah. podcast with Dr. Bob Schutz, as well as Way of the Heart with his good friend Brett Powell, which is for, for men journeying into their hearts. And then, of course, my podcast, Abiding Together, and I just wrote a book called Abide, which people can get from Ave Maria Press. So. That's that's great. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't say that. I, I'm glad you mentioned oh, that's that. Okay. That's really no, great. That's, that's okay. really good because we want our viewers and listeners really to tap into your resources and and really get to know your ministry and, and what you offer to the church. So that's great. Thank you for saying that. Well, thank you for having us. Thanks it was great us. to chat with you today. All right. Peace. God bless. You God too. bless. Well, we've come to the end of yet another podcast. I'm so glad you joined us for this one. I want to remind you to please share this podcast with others. Let everyone know. If you've been blessed by our work, please consider going to our donation page on our website at arrayofhope.net. Also, join us on social media. It keeps us connected to our faith through our music, videos, and daily reflections. There's lots of great stuff for you to see and share with others. We also pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet on Instagram every day at 3 p.m. So join us to pray together as the Universal Church. And lastly, I am super excited about the Array of Hope channel. You should check it out if you haven't done so already and see our next Rise Up Live show. It's a Catholic variety show with lots of fun stuff to enjoy with the entire family. Our guest next time will be Father Vincent Lampert. Our theme will be What's the Devil's Strategy? This episode is going to be very interesting and draw attention to our weakness and how the devil pulls us away from God and joy. So thanks for joining us today, and there's always a reason for hope. This is Mario Costabile. Until next time, peace. Peace.